This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes, we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars. And we'll be chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s, and just learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun and we We have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Hell yes. Um, also, we'll be answering listener questions, so make sure to write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, so let's jump into the show. Bye. Hi, guys. Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm really excited because, well, I'm excited every week, but our guest this week is really cool, and I'm excited for you guys to hear about her. As you probably know, a goal in starting this podcast was to bring to a larger audience the experience that we have within our beauty community here in Brooklyn. So our community is not one that's either only black or white, but it's every color of the rainbow in between. And as women that navigate easily between cultures, we know that the key to understanding each other is speaking openly and honestly about where we come from and where we're going. Today's guest, Rishi Roy, co-founder of the beauty startup Avrani, is a super special guest because she's the first guest who reached out to us to be on the podcast. So we didn't know much about Rishi going into this interview, but came out learning so much about this incredible female founder, the Indian diaspora, and ways in which it mirrored the Jewish and African diaspora. We also talked about heritage, staying true to yourself, following your dreams, and the importance of being seen in consumer goods. Rushi is a Wharton graduate, AKA, she's a smart bitch. She was on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and she's super compassionate, kind, and funny. She's really funny. Yeah, she had me cracking up. There are times where, because we always do this via FaceTime, and she was just doing, like, hilarious moves with her body that, like, was cracking Alex up, and I wish that you guys could see it. I (laughs) was dying. But um, true to form, and actually I really respected this, she was like, look, I'm a beauty co-founder. I forgot we were recording this. Y'all can't use this FaceTime. This is just for (laughs) us to know each other. And I was like, girl, 
respect no problem so you hear us laughing sometimes but you just have to imagine this hilarious indian woman (laughs) using her body super comically to tell these stories and um you guys are gonna love this episode we can't wait for you to listen to it enjoy enjoy My name is Ruchi Roy, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Abroad. It's an Indian-inspired skincare line, and we're launching in 10 days on August 15th. Oh, that's so exciting. Online, yeah. So great. Very excited. Okay, so we like to sort of tell the whole journey of our guests and start from the very beginning and sort of just like pick your brain and find out like what things happened in your life or what op- 100%, everything. Like, yeah. What makes you like you, what, right? Anything that inspired like totally, yeah. me and then the brand as we see it today. And, yeah, and, and I think yeah. too is like a lot of it is I think one of the really cool things about um, where we live and being in New York is just like there's so many different jobs and there's so many different things within different industries, like ways to be a part of different industries, right? And they're not mm-hmm. always, it's not always a linear journey to get wherever people are, yeah. right? And so- it rarely is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just sort of showing all the different aspects of somebody so that they can, yeah. whatever, anyway. So let's just get started. So, sure. Sure. <laughs> um, so where did you grow up? So I grew up uh, in a suburb of Detroit. I was born in Detroit. My parents moved there uh, in the late 80s. They immigrated from India uh, and Detroit because my dad uh, was an automotive engineer and he actually just retired from Ford recently. So um, he has always been very analytical, data driven. I mean, he's a scientist, he's a PhD and he's very much your classic Indian dad in the sense of Math and science is the most important and the fundamental to understanding everything in life. Yes. <laughs> and uh, my mom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, in some ways he's not wrong, but I think that sort of paradigm and more broadly that paradigm in Indian culture where you sort of subscribe to a certain definition of success, like straight A's in school and just scholastic achievements in general. Um, you don't get to really explore other parts of you that might be great that don't end up fitting in that framework. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like my childhood and upbringing was a struggle to kind of reconcile that. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I really, really wanted to do really well in school and get the straight A's and be the president of every club and like be that model child. And in our little community of Indian families, uh, Bengali families specifically, all the first generation kids around me were doing just that too. So it emphasized this level of expectation. You know, our parents sacrifice so much, they're here, they're figuring stuff out and you're not gonna do well in school. Like it was like this weird, like feeling. Oh my God, a lot of guilt. Uh, Yeah, yes. (laughs) I'm feeling guilty. Like, no, seriously. And like, that's how it would feel. So when I wouldn't do well in school, it was breeding a lot of guilt because that was the only metric my parents had as a basis for like how they were raising me. You know what I mean? Like they took it as a um, indication of them as parents, of them as people. Uh, In our culture also, there's a lot of like, oh, my kid did this and my kid did that. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of just comparing. And when 
you have a little immigrant community, it becomes your second family and they're your only basis of comparison. Cause mm -hmm. you know, you know, you're different from all the white people. Like you're, you don't belong mm -hmm. with them, right. but within the people you're supposed to belong with, if you can't connect with them, then it's like even more like lonely almost. Right. Totally. Um, so I said, I talked about my dad. I just went off on a tangent, but my no, mom, no, I love this. <laughs> no, that's cool. I think that, sorry to cut you off, but I think that's totally relatable for like a lot of, you know, like just minority communities in general, right? Is it's like if you don't fit into, and like, especially now, like in the great cultural revolution of a lot of white people being like, oh my God, white supremacy, it's everywhere. And it's like, yes, bitch. Like, we're all out here, like just trying We've to- We've all like, been navigating it this whole time. Exactly, like literally. So, yeah. And so just that, that idea of like trying to, knowing that you're not part of that community and so trying your best to fit into whatever community you do belong to. And then if you don't fit into that mold also, it can, it's, yeah, it's a terribly lonely Yeah, it's place. a struggle. It's and so, exactly. And so there were parts of my American community or, or like the schools and like my friends at sports or extracurriculars or whatever that, I identified with a lot more than mm. with my Indian community, like my creative friends or the ones that exposed me to like the TV shows my parents couldn't let me watch and like stuff like that. <laughs> right, yeah, I, I love that. And I was like, Oh, so I'm more like them. But then when it came time to like, have dinner with their family, and I tell them that like, we eat with our hands at home, and they like, look at me like, what like we like, you know what I mean? And right. then I'm like, wait, Never mind. I'm more like them. Totally. And it's like this constant. You were the sort were of the other. I'm I'm very like fascinated <laughs> by people because I grew up in a really really small town. Like my parents are from the Bronx, but they raised us in the Catskills, and we were the only black family in a town of 600. And oh, so you get it. So I get like, it, right? And then I moved to New York, and you know being in the black community, they're like, oh, well, you're light skinned though. And it's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like a whole nother, and we have that too. It's exactly. Like yeah. So I get when you're trying to just like be in both worlds and not really fitting 100%. into either one, a hundred percent. Yeah, A hundred percent. And I think that the biggest inflection point in my company and me personally uh, happened earlier this year when I realized that this sense of duality of like, am I American? Am I Indian? Am I strong or am I gentle? Am I this or am I that? Like I kept realizing that I really struggled to be both things that everyone else says are contradictory or that yeah. don't belong together or yeah. or can't coexist. Oh, you mean because like, you're a well-rounded person, like just a regular human that is a little bit of everything. <laughs> and women understand this more than anyone because totally. To the world like you can't be hot and smart right like, it's just something else must be wrong with you right like right. and we as women do that to each other too because that's the framework with which like the gender dynamic yeah. is here right totally. like everywhere i mean i will say as a woman i'm like when i found find out that a really beautiful woman is also smart i'm like what yeah it's so it, sad that me I too still me even... too or it's not even like, like what it's like you're it's not even like how it's it's more so just like yes but it's like it's yes, the same but level. But it's the same level of surprise. Surprised. Exactly. Like it shouldn't be yeah. a surprise. It should be a given. It should be like you should be shocked when, <laughs> when somebody's dumb. Period. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that statement because it's like you should be True. creating communities and circles, social circles, like based on things you're interested in or ways you want to grow together and things you want to talk about. And I feel like 
we very quickly, again, especially as women, create communities more on what we look like. Mm-hmm. And it, it ends up being this really difficult contradiction where it's like, wait, I look just like you, but I'm nothing like you. Like mm-hmm. what, you know what I mean? Yeah. And what, if you don't talk about it, if you don't feel like it, you're validated in sharing that feeling, which is a whole nother conversation in and of itself. Like a lot of people don't even feel the confidence to share it. Like they don't mm-hmm. deserve to feel one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't, you don't realize that, that, this whole thing bleeds through everyone in one way or another. Like the only one who's free from this is like a heterosexual white man and like probably six other like things now that I can't keep up with, mm-hmm. uh, with Gen Z on, but right. whatever it is, like everyone deals with a layer of feeling like they don't belong for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. And it, I kind of realized that, it was just silly that we do that to each other. Like, Mm -hmm. why don't we create space for duality? Why don't we create space for like multidimensional women and characters who can be strong, but also a shitty person? Like it's just a, it's an entire paradigm shift that I feel like is so much bigger than a company or a beauty brand or like something like that. It's like an entire mindset. Yeah, I like to think that Gen Z has a bigger grasp on this concept than we do. I don't know enough young people to really to yeah. to really say that that's true, but I like to kind of think that. I do think that though on that topic and the exposure I have on to this is people on my team who are on Gen Z and then of course analyzing the Gen Z market as a consumer yeah. segment for mm-hmm. so long. I'm starting to feel a sense of being overly sensitive to the point where we're policing conversations. We're not Mm. allowing people to ask questions, to do the learning, to get better about it. Because we, we can't even admit to each other that it's no one's fault that they're ignorant or mean or, you know what I mean? Like very, very few people are actually bad people at their core. Totally. Like yeah. such a small percent. Most people are trying to do their best and, right. and want to be loved and loved and lend love in return and all that stuff. Totally. And yeah. if we don't let people share like some remark that's super offensive, we won't even know that that sentiment exists in the first place. Well, that's why cancel culture is so toxic, I think, because it's like, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, canceling somebody does nothing. If that person's wealthy, they're still wealthy. Mm -hmm. If they're famous, they're still famous. The only thing that changes is now they're more pissed off because they don't understand what they said was wrong. And there's this whole other group of people that are just like, fuck those other people, you're right. And so it's just, you just spin Right, and then a bunch of people who might agree with that person now feel like they can't speak. Like we're kind of, we're silencing so many people at every level. So much learning. There's so much learning. Because how do you get better if you don't know? If if people just yell at you. And it's like, I said that because I don't know. And now, and you won't tell me otherwise, right? So it's And that's why they say that the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off because (laughs) of course, of course you don't want to know like why someone behaved a certain way if it's going to get you angry but you need to know the truth to understand how to progress right as a society totally and you have to be willing to be to look stupid right you have to be a little bit vulnerable 100 a friend of mine and um i sent her um tana hesse coats between the world and me and she was just so 
oh my God, like people are so afraid of nothing. How do we just tell them that it's them, that they're just fearful? And I'm like, that's asking a lot of people. That's asking a lot of, for people yeah. to look at themselves and say, oh, I'm the asshole. <laughs> like this whole time. It like even, me. even like incredibly enlightened and intelligent people yeah. have difficulty confronting their egos. Totally. And we expect people who don't even have a, you know, college education to yes. look, have yes. be self-aware enough to look in the mirror. Like we're contradicting ourselves. Like totally. we're not actually going to make progress. There. Totally. All right. But all right. We digressed a little bit. Let's get, <laughs> yes. let's get back to the topic. <laughs> so you, okay. So you were born and raised in Detroit and then your family was interested in science, engineering, Yes. Math. And then throughout my upbringing and basically all the way until undergrad, I would go to Kolkata where my extended family, their parents are from with my family every December. Okay. So it was this very enriched, but isolated periods of time mm -hmm. that I was able to indulge in the culture and be fully Indian. Yes. It was like almost this weird escape. And because it was so singular and brief, Mm -hmm. it almost felt disconnected from who I was. Like, How long did you guys stay there when you would go? Three to four weeks at okay. a time. Okay. Because it was, uh, it's of course expensive to get there. Yeah. And then with the time delay and then it's, it was literally my parents, whole family. Like it was just the two of them coming. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to not interact with them after so long. Right. For yeah. any less amount of time. Totally. So, I, I totally understood it from their perspective, but for me, going to India and visiting my family wasn't really separated from visiting India. Totally. So the India that I experienced was my two grandparents' flats, my one-bedroom ah, flat. Okay. It, it wasn't this, like, I don't know how white people imagine India riding like, on an elephant totally. across the Taj yes. Mahal. Like, I, <laughs> I don't totally. know, like, <laughs> that kind of stuff that people do. Like, yeah. no, we were bathing with buckets and yeah. I was, like, getting eaten by mosquitoes every night. Like, it wasn't right. a paradise oasis sort of it, magical India that I would see in the movies here. It wasn't eat, pray, love. <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. And Kolkata yeah. is, you know, one, one of the poorer cities in India on top of that. So there are beautiful and majestic cities, Rajasthan, Jaipur specifically, um, Agra, of course. But all those are the ones that you see in the pictures in the U.S. Mm. It's not Kolkata of the slums and the streets and the people walking with no shoes because mm. that's uncomfortable to see and totally. imagine, right? Right. And we don't like to think of India as the third world country when we think of consuming the culture, just like we do when we consume any totally. culture. Yeah, right. 100%. We just want to see it in yes. a vacuum. Yes. Without appreciating where it comes from yes. or what it was inspired by. Yes. And I myself felt like I was falling into that trap okay. by growing up in the U.S., sort of succumbing to the expectations of my white friends in terms of their interpretation of Indian people, right? Okay, yeah. And in order to feel less ostracized and get closer to them, I myself started feeling very ashamed of those things that people don't like about Indians, mm -hmm. like popular stereotypes of smelling like curry or 
when I was in fourth grade, like my entire right hand fingernails were like stained like this ombre orange color mm -hmm. because we eat with our hands and turmeric stains and it's right. a basis for our cuisine. Yeah. And it was only until I was in a fourth grade classroom that this girl was like, ew, your hands are disgusting. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I thought it was fungus because that's what she thought. And oh, then suddenly wow. I felt like such a savage for eating with my hands. You know totally. what I mean? Yeah, totally. Exactly. And, and it's those like little micro experiences yeah. that build up over time. Yes. And if you let them affect you, they will. So totally. of course those things made me decide like you know i'm i'm not beautiful i'm not that right i'm i don't operate in this world on that level so when you would go to india did you feel like did you find your people there did you find your group of friends that weren't like math and science nerds like that made you realize like okay there's more of me out there <laughs> i'm so glad you asked this question because uh -huh. the answer is no oh. um, <laughs> The best part, so I'm 5'7", mm -hmm. and in India, women on average are about 5'1", five, 5'2". Five, my mom's 5'1", my dad's 5'3". People are much shorter as yeah. just like a population. And so being 5'7", and having sprouted to my height in like fifth grade when I was like 11, of course you get the quiet like, oh, you should play basketball. I'm sure you <laughs> <Right>? understand that. <laughs> But then there's the, like, I still stand out. Like, I still, yeah. like, what is it? So even the way I walk and talk and speak. Because you're American there. Thank God. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. when I'm there, I could see everyone staring at me. Because right. in India, they aspire to look and act like the West. That's right. their benchmark of beauty yeah. and just greatness. Totally. And so that's what they saw me as, an American lady. Even my grandmother would call me oh you're such an American lady right. and she was trying to compliment me yes yeah and I didn't feel like that right. you know what I mean like yeah. it felt like no I'm like where who am I then if I'm nowhere totally. any, nobody to anyone you know yeah this kind of reminds me of um one of my favorite books is um Langston Hughes the big C and in it he I've heard of it I haven't read it yet oh it's, but it's beautiful I... I mean first of all it's just him from like 15 to 25 so the fact like that had so much life within that short amount, of, whatever, he's incredible. But in it, he talks about going from New York to Africa, and he's so excited to be with black people. And he gets to Africa, and they're like, no, you're an American. Like, what do you mean? Like, you're not one of us. And just that feeling of being in between two worlds and just yes. like, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds very similar. And that goes back to the framework that we impose on ourselves. I think as a society, it's much easier for us to label people, to put them in a bucket and mm -hmm. then store it away. It's yes. much more difficult to spend the time and understand them on a deeper level, right? Mm -hmm. But because we've created this expectation of each other, we've stunted ourselves, right? And yeah. exploring how else we're great. Yeah. And once again, it just feels like a why are we doing this to each other? You know, like, can't we just admit that you can't put a label on someone and just move on? Like, why are we struggling or 
so eager to define everyone right yes. away. Yeah, you said it perfectly. It makes people uncomfortable to not be able to put you in a box. And why? I don't know. But I guess it's also I'm I ask all these questions and it's like, well, black woman, you're not going to know the answer, right? Yeah, like, no, no. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but, We're not the ones that could come up with the solution because if we could get in that head, we wouldn't be here. Right? <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. But okay, so so you'd spend about a month of the year in India and you didn't feel really that you fit in there, right? Right. And so another important thing to know is that it was always – in Kolkata, so I my only understanding of India were in those homes. Right. So when I w would come back to the U.S., the sense of pride that a lot of people felt from other parts of India mm -hmm. in terms of showing off their home, family photos, like just like what normal people do, <laughs> I right. guess. Right. I, I, I didn't have that ownership. I didn't want to show people or tell people about my shower situation or the things that we ate or right. like, you know what I mean? Right, it, right. it was just uncomfortable. And there are just like so many cultural differences too. In India, the idea of health is very standardized in the sense that you don't have to be hugely wealthy the way you do ha have to be in the U.S. to have mm -hmm. a staff of health. Mm -hmm. There's a whole like working class of health in India. So as long as you're like lower middle class, you have health there. Oh, wow. And oh, I remember goodness. telling a friend um, that and, and you get very close to them. They live with you. They don't have their own. There's a lot of women who were abandoned or abused or on their own and they they end up living in the home. Oh, wow. And you get close to them until they move on or they decide to, to leave. And I had one, her name was Sonia, and she would make this really great dessert. And I remember I came back to the U.S. and I told her, I told my friend about this dessert that the help made mm -hmm. and that I loved. And my mom couldn't replicate it like just right. Like the right. help made it so perfect. And that's all I said. Yes. And she went around and told everybody that like, I have a palace in India. I come from this wealthy, yeah. like, kingdom, like, the of, of royalty of India. Right. And I'm like, dude, no, not at all. Like, actually, the opposite. Totally, but yeah. Because I said the health thing. Right. All of these assumptions were made and all these conversations were started mm -hmm. about me without my permission. Right. And it, it, it was so, it was like this feeling of, like, okay, I can't share anything. Like, what can I say without mm. sitting people down and giving them a whole explanation of right. like the socioeconomic breakdown of, of right. a whole system, you know? Totally, like, yes. So you just must have felt so misunderstood in like every level. My parents, for example, they had an arranged marriage, right? Oh, okay. And we just, if you guys have seen uh, on Netflix, it got really popular, Indian matchmaking. Yeah, I need to watch um, this show. Highly recommend so if you if you haven't seen it yet. And of course, everyone and their mom is texting me. Any white person I've ever encountered, <laughs> like I'm so your parents were arranged. Like, is this true? Did this happen? And I'm like, unfortunately, I wasn't in the room when it happened. Right. And my parents, like all immigrants, don't share anything. Right. And oh my hold God. Like all immigrants, like, secrets, like no other. So I actually have no fucking idea how it went down. And my it's first so time good. understanding arranged marriage was through watching it with you. Like, right. I, I, I just have no idea. But once again, there's this like expectation. And I kind of 
started to empathize with it when the protests started taking off in early June because one of my best friends from business school, her name is Buki, she's Nigerian. Mm-hmm. I called her and I was like, dude, th- like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. I I understood what was going on on a deeper level and mm-hmm. just like my instinct was to call her and she's like, girl, not to be mean, but everyone's fucking calling me right, right. now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm everyone's black friend yes. that needs to explain totally the situation. And yeah. suddenly I'm understanding it from a completely in a relative sense, innocuous topic, right? Totally, yes. Well, that was going to be my next question was, obviously you had to be the educator of all of these people (laughs) at a very young age. And I think as like probably every minority person understands this. I'm sure that you understand this probably too, is just being Jewish, just like explaining, why do you guys do this? Why do you do Judaism? I'm like, I'm not that Jewish. My hometown is like 60% Jewish, by the way. So I literally learned the Hebrew (laughs) alphabet before I learned that's amazing because I don't even know the whole Hebrew alphabet anymore (laughs) but so all right so we all know about um educating our she's uh, one-upping me with (laughs) I'm better at you at your own thing like how does that feel I'm tanner than you too I am (laughs) shit it's so good oh man what I was gonna say was where did you fall on the spectrum of this of I need to educate people. Were you feeling like, and it, this is kind of a two-part question because you kind of mentioned, and I've also heard Hassan Minaj mention this, that immigrant parents don't tell you, and they just hold secrets. You don't know anything. Yep. So yep. how did you feel about educating people, if you even did? Two is, did you feel equipped? Like for black, I can't speak for all black people. I can say for myself, my parents had me watching like, you know, every civil rights stock, like every, like just preparing you, preparing me, but also just showing images that were like way too young for a child to see. But also like, this is our history. You need to know that like people are going to look at you in this way. And all of these terrible things happen to us. Right. So I don't, I'm not sure if you, if you could say the same for your culture, but that's so I guess, interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. Like one is, did, did they teach you your history in that same way? Two is how did you feel about teaching people it? And three, well, that's just one and two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. <three. laughs> so I'll answer that first one first because I think that's actually a really important distinction that I'm just coming to right now as you just said that. My parents did never, never taught me that stuff. So mm. they exposed me to the culture in the sense that however they would continue upholding it, I experienced, but I never got any like background lesson or understanding on why we were doing what we were doing. Mm. So for example, Indian dance, classical dance is very sacred in the culture and good Indian girls, according to the community I grew up in, are just good dancers at like good classical Indian dancers. Like they do the thing. I grew up going to all the classes and I remember like faking it in the back. Like, like what the fuck is happening? And and I thought it was like so silly too because we would do these like poses like this and stuff that you don't see on like a Britney music video. So I like, I'm like, what is this like weird movement? I like, this is, this is so weird. We would do Indian songs. Like singing is also a thing. Girls should be like, just good at, I don't know. Good just thing I'm not Indian because <laughs> my... So I went to singing classes and I remember as a kid, I was so bored and I hated it so much. In the little group of 
girls that we would sing together with the teacher who would play the sitar while singing and leading us. Mm-hmm. I would try to say random words, but at the exact right volume so where I'm just loud enough where the teacher's not going to hear me. Uh-huh. But the rest of the class will know I'm super funny because they're going to, like, right. catch on to it. Right. So I would, like, <laughs> that would be my game. I'd go, ah, and, like, just, like, say random things while they would sing in Bengali to entertain myself. Right. And then my mom or dad would pick me up and scream at me the entire drive home because the teacher's, like, if she's going to do this, she's disrupting my class. Like, stop sending her here. I don't want your money. And the whole drive back, every single time, my parents like, Rushi, what are you doing? Like, get it oh together. God, you're naughty. Yeah. Okay, this is so fascinating because it's like they want you to be like sort of both sides of your brain. Like you're supposed to be this woman that sings and dances, but then you're also supposed to be like a math whiz, which maybe does work together and in, in- – uh, maybe that's a patriarchy. Well, thing, so you'd be surprised. I mean, there are some badass Indian women out there. And I'm telling you, a lot of them are both of those things. But to be fair to my parents, uh, because I was so much like that and I was so resisting, by the time I was like 11 or 12, they just stopped pushing me to do anything outside yeah. of just like getting good grades and stuff like that. They didn't make me do the dance and the singing. I started playing basketball. I started like doing things that I wanted to do versus the things that they signed me up to do. Were they supportive? They were supportive in the sense that they gave up on, (laughs) on, on like trying to mold me. No, seriously. Like I can't even tell you my childhood was like like my parents were just constantly on my case because I was just constantly finding new ways to challenge the boundaries. Yes. And so American when, of you. when your mind is so like overstimulated like that and you're a kid, it usually manifests mischievously, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and for me, like I get really creative about it. Like I literally did stuff like in high school during in the middle of my AP Calc final, I had it so that alarms went off in the ceiling, like underneath the the what? roof to just disrupt the exam so what? that the teacher would have so no bad. choice but to reschedule the exam so I could study for it. Oh my god. That's so amazing. first of all, okay, this is kind of like <laughs> this is kind of like Zuckerberg, right? Like he couldn't figure out he had to take this art class. Well, and don't 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 I know but <laughs> no, it kind of is it kind of is because you're super smart and it's like instead of sitting down and like figuring out what you obviously can figure out, you figure out how to like do something else incredibly difficult, yeah. right? Yeah. So that you can like win that at the end. Amazing. That's amazing. Exactly. It's like smart no, kid that's shit. I was trying to win at someone else's game instead of creating one for myself. Yeah. I was oper- I was playing something else and literally just trying to survive in terms of like feeling happy and fulfilled and good about myself. And I was like, what, what is this framework? And it wasn't until I was in finance, I worked in investment banking and then private equity my whole life. I'm like, oh, I'm enterprising and I want to do business and I'm not going to be a doctor or engineer. And this is the last respectable thing on the list of things <laughs> my parents came to this country for. And so I, I was like, okay, finance. So like I'm working at Goldman Sachs. I'm the only woman in my group, let alone of color. How old were you? Was that like right after school? 
Yeah, I was 22 when I started at Goldman, but I graduated at 21 and I, I started at another investment bank and then lateraled over to, to Goldman after my first year because I wanted the brand name. I needed that validation. And it was challenging because as soon as I started working there, my parents started bragging about me to their friends and it oh, felt wow. so good because yeah. it was like, holy shit. I, I don't know. I never knew what this feels like. And this kind of feels really fucking good wow. when my parents are bragging about me. So I, it, it almost kind of clouded my own discomfort with the whole situation and with my whole instinct of this isn't for me. I don't belong here. And by the way, the way they are measuring who's smart or who succeeds is on a scale that like you're not your best. to rewind a little bit where did you end up going to uh, college after you graduated and what indiana did, university and then what did you end up studying finance um okay. so what happened was growing up in michigan uh in the 90s especially the assumption was you go to university of michigan okay. like or you're an idiot Okay. Like that was the kind of like within the community. Yeah. And it was almost like this secret code of like, if you went to Michigan state, it was because you didn't get into Michigan. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. 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 Uh, like it, it was like that totally. fucking like in your head. Yeah. And so when I knew I wasn't going to Michigan, I felt so like, I already felt that ostracized and the burden of that label mm -hmm. that I was like, where's the next closest thing I can go? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what really drove me to go to Indiana. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Yeah. Knowing I wanted to do business as well, they ha happened to have a program that could basically let you focus on pursuing investment banking, private equity, investing in a way that a lot of other schools didn't. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, if that's the thing that's quote unquote, the elite best thing to do within mm -hmm. the realm of business, mm -hmm. I must do that thing. So after, because you were saying before, like your parents really wanted you to do well and you were kind of fighting against that. Did you in the end feel that you wanted to go into finance or what have you? Or was it more so like this was, as you were saying before, like mm -hmm. you didn't want to be a doctor, didn't want to be yes. a lawyer. The underlying reason was that process of elimination. Yeah. And I think I almost dismissed that myself to myself mm -hmm. because that just doesn't feel good. It's easier to think that you want to do something. Yeah when you're as you're doing it right then right. it is to hate what you're doing yeah totally 100 totally. it's a it's um like not a safety mechanism it's a mind but just like yeah. yeah but it's just like a, a survival <laughs> mechanism right it's a way for you to like yeah. get through life it's like this is great mm -hmm. i love to eat vegetables and eventually you do eat like vegetables but like you know like <laughs> at first you're just like god this sucks well i mean i like vegetables but <laughs> that's so interesting that you bring that up though because it's not about eating the vegetables 
the reason why we start eating vegetables is because we're like, oh shit, we need to be healthy. We need yeah. to treat our bodies well. Yeah. It's not because they taste good. It's because totally. suddenly we have an intention behind mm-hmm. what we're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when you're working or operating or running your life without a real intention mm-hmm. and to validate yourself to other people, you sort you lose yourself. You never get there. Yeah. And you don't end up achieving the outcome that you think you're gonna get. In right, the first place. right, right. This is so fascinating I know this okay (laughs) so do I even like broccoli (laughs) oh my god (laughs) oh I love that just kidding I got way more out of that than just that okay (laughs) no honestly if that's your takeaway if you if I made you question that honestly (laughs) that makes me feel really good because people are just not curious enough these days yeah, and it's true. they do don't things you don't yeah yeah we almost operate on autopilot yeah. and I even catch myself still doing it when I'm like waiting for the elevator or I'm like waiting for my sandwich to be made at Potbelly. like I pull out my phone and open Instagram and it's like I didn't even choose to do this like it's like it, it just happened and if we just take a moment to be like I'm going to, you know, listen to this song I like or watch this video that I didn't finish or finish this article, then we could be so much more productive and like successful with our time. And yeah, well, I mean, you can't win a game if you don't know you're playing it. Right. Right. So it's like you got to know what the fuck the rules of the game are. How what kind of outcome do I want? Right. Yes. Girl, I'm only recently. Yes. I'm only recently. (laughs) I'm like two years into this mindset. I'm like two years into this, like gotta know what the fuck you want to get out of this game so you can start mapping out 100%, your life. But you, 100%. but what I love about what you're saying is that like your parents knew the fucking game and they're like, look, bitch, there's three yeah. ways you can win. Yes, you're gonna choose one like, of the three. Not, yeah, 100%. And they're like, you're not gonna be Britney Spears and you're not gonna be Michael Jordan. So odds are you're going to like be able to feed your family at 75 K if you do this on average mediocre thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So you're there. So no, so we're out of college and now you're at Goldman Goldman. And now you're feeling good. I know. Get it right. I'm feeling good. Honestly, I feel like the shit because I'm the only woman. Look at me. Yada, yada. Like I was that much swimming in the Mm Kool-Aid that I took pride in being the only one of 17 different things yeah. as opposed to this is letting up. myself wake <laughs> up from that. Totally. Like if you look around and you don't see yourself being represented on any one thing, you are that representation. Right. And it ends oh, up shit. being so lonely. Gotta let that shit sink in for a second. I know. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Like, whoa. I mean, it's so obvious what you just said. But I also, know it's, it's so simple. yeah it, yeah but, but it, yeah. it is awakening yeah to, totally because once again when we're on autopilot we don't think about these yeah, things yeah totally for women of color in particular when you're conditioned to receive a certain reaction from other people you get so much more used to it mm-hmm. like being ignored or looked over or ugly or undesirable, any, any of those things, like you can be as confident as you want, but if people are constantly reinforcing that through their behavior, totally. it's, it's hard to, you know, constantly just ignore it. Yes. And it's also like, it's the surprise, right? It's like the surprise of like, oh, oh, you're here. 
and you just you get used to that surprise, right? Instead of just being like, yes, bitch, and I got a cousin and a friend. Like, they're right there, right? You're just like, yes, this is I. I'm here. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, I'm at the point, I think most of us are at the point now of like, my cousin's outside. She's coming in too and not, and beyond just like, Yes, this is I. <laughs> yes, this is I. I think it's very like Gen X, right? I think the one generation above us. Well, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I'm 30. Okay, so I we're know. about the same age. So one generation above us, I think, is very much, they were like, I'm the only one here. Shut the door. Don't let them yes. bitches come in. <laughs> I yes. made it. True. And there was yeah. a sense of pride, a sense yes. of pride in that. Mm -hmm. And you know who figured this out? Jewish people. They look out for each other. It's true. It's like true. Like no other. And my first exposure to that was in finance where I'm like, all right, everyone running this place, everyone, <laughs> you know, in charge, everywhere, I yes. love. You know what I mean? Totally. And that's not a coincidence. Yeah. There's no, a sense of community and you pay it forward within your community, right? There's a sense of pride mm -hmm. in, in who you are. But when you grow up in an environment that doesn't you know, foster that sense of pride, you don't build it. And mm -hmm. so that's why a lot of the times, and I'll speak for myself, it feels like other Indian women might not be rooting for me because mm -hmm. we've all been conditioned to see none of us. And if we do see us, there's just one of us, right? right. Yeah. Anywhere. So we're all each other's competition. In fact, you two are also my competition by being women. Yeah. And yeah. the moment we realize that, hey, like if we just on a first order of things band together as women, like we could just take over this whole thing. Totally. Like, do, yeah. do we know that? Like we're all competing for someone else's approval and validation. Mm. What if we just like created our own and then started totally. judging them? You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And yeah, I just think like women are, ourselves are just so fragmented in that. Well, it's sense. also only been so long, so much time where it was so available. It was so, it's only been 20, 20 years of being generous yeah. that it could be, I got like 20 bucks. Let's see what we can do with this. You know, it used to cost so much. Yeah. And, and it's still, even we were talking about the podcast, like it doesn't cost nothing to produce the podcast. It's not, it doesn't cost what it used to, to be, on, you know, to have such a platform, but it doesn't cost nothing. Right. But now if you've got like a phone and $20, you can do, you something. Can do something. You can do something, right? You're a mega influencer. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You're the poor bitch that got this with the $20. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that that whole thing in of itself was another challenge for me because when I started pursuing this in 2017, that was like height of Glossier was killing it on, mm. on social media. Beauty as a landscape as a category really took off. Everyone started creating their own stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just so much easier. You can make your own website. You can yeah, you can get your, you can make your own product a hundred percent. So the barrier to entry was so low that it was the people who were camera ready, media personalities, beauty in the context of what we're conditioned to believe is beautiful that did successful. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, my face popping on Instagram isn't going to make like Kendall Jenner want to look like me. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would have that confidence. Right. If I did think I was 
beautiful the way I do now. Totally. According yes. to, you know, that sort of framework. Again. Yeah. So, well, and it's, it's different. I mean, I think that this generation is so lucky because I just saw nobody that looked like me in like, I mean, there was Tyra Banks. I have done. to tell you, by the way, <laughs> like, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You are so beautiful. And Sometimes when oh I'm God. like talking and I'm looking at you, you look literally like just like Beyonce fused with. You don't know what that just did to with, her. No, with, no, Beyonce and who's the no? I, I'm about to calm you down because like, this, this other this other black girl who people don't like anymore. She's canceled, but she was in Clueless. Oh, uh, canceled. Okay, okay. Stacy. Stacy. Yeah, she's canceled. Just... So in, you you net back out to zero. You're back to where you are. But you look you do look like one or the other at certain angles. Oh, thank you, doll. I, you know, I appreciate that. It's the lighting. I told you about the I told you about the ring light. No, it's in real You gotta light. get one. No, I can tell. I can tell. If you get thank a good you. ring light, you just look like Beyonce. <laughs> Thank you. God, don't blush. If I sit over there, I also look like Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll come over tomorrow then. Yeah, right? You 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 got to sit right here. You got to check out the scene. (laughs) I'm dead. Oh, my God. Okay, so let's rewind this. Back when I was 15 and 50 pounds heavier and didn't have any fronts to my eyebrows and they just went like this. Oh, my God. Yes way. You look like one of those girls who eats whatever they want whenever they want. They're like, I don't know. I mean, that might be true. I I might have two Snickers bars for lunch. (laughs) She's had the most serious glow up. No, the we're gonna most... set, we're gonna put pictures up because both of yeah. us we were a hot okay, mess. Both of so us, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. I'm gonna send you back a picture too. You're yes, gonna yes. I, I yes. literally look like a boy. My yes. dad. So do we. You know, I put like a full cut on woman. me until I was eight. So <laughs> I, I cannot wait. Oh, <laughs> um, thank you for saying that. But yeah, I, I think that like head. I know I need to pop this <laughs> balloon head right away. <laughs> We're on the same level now. After you called me Mark Zuckerberg, I've been like, yeah, right. <laughs> just like reining it in. You're better than so Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, but I was going to say, like, I didn't see anybody who looked like me growing up, right? I grew up in a town of 600 people, only black family. And the only woman of color really was because Beyonce was nothing. Do you remember when Beyonce would be on, was on the red carpet and they're like, who are you? She was one of four people. Yeah. Yes, right. exactly. So there's Tyra Banks. That was it. These days, these girls have so many women just so many bra so many everything you just there's visibility all around mm-hmm. and that's yes. like a really really incredible thing but it's also why there's space for us now because a hundred percent not 100%. only do they see themselves but like the marketers see it too they're like oh there's a lot of these bitches mm-hmm. out here <laughs> like just realize yeah and the thing that they don't realize is we spend more actually yes. on beauty products than white women because of this very reason because Mm -hmm. we want to feel beautiful and it's like that much more of something that we have to pay attention to wow i didn't even think about that damn you've done your research like honestly like so much yeah we're just all trying to this white supremacy again yeah and and the patriarchy and white supremacy they always win I mean, and and that's the thing about beauty as an industry that I'm still trying to reconcile as a person because my whole life, it has been something that was a source of pain or like a source of feeling ostracized or not included. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I'm kind of just forcing myself in it. Like I'm wedging my way 
to a space that I have no choice but to create myself. Totally, 100%. And that's, I love that because it's literally what Alex and I are doing in that when you were saying at the beginning, when you were like, we all separate ourselves in term, in beauty by in groups of women and for what just because whereas like we live we're in Brooklyn obviously and we're in Williamsburg and we have every rainbow color of woman that comes through that door and it's incredible but it's never been um it was just never an issue it was I mean some people they were like oh you're Elizabeth Taylor those bitches don't come back and that's fine those aren't those aren't our people <laughs> But like for the majority of people that come through, they don't give a shit. They just want to look great. And that's the real reality, I think, of our generation, of this community at least. I can't speak for every community because now that we're seeing what's going on out there, it's fucking awful. Yeah, it is terrifying. But I think that for sure our generation, for sure the generation below, there's so much more of us than there are of not us. And you have mm -hmm. to just say like, y'all aren't going to acknowledge us, so we'll make our own community. A hundred percent. And I and I think it's sort of uh, taking our power back in the sense of deciding not to play that game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to create it. And as an example, I highly recommend uh, if you haven't explored this brand yet, it's called Mented Cosmetics. It was yeah. started by two black women. Yeah. And I look up to KJ specifically so much because she is just so unapologetic about why she started Mented. Yeah. I remember being on a panel with her and a white girl asked like, oh, can I use your products? And she's like, you can, but you can also use any products you want. I made this, yes. you know, for my people. And if yeah. it works for you, great. But I'm not trying to market yeah. to you. And that's you know? fine because yeah. they didn't try to market to us for, you know, a hundred years. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They don't, but they, and they don't need any accommodations. Yeah, totally. Right? There are millions of brands that are accommodating totally. them. And yeah. that's why it's so interesting that when we talk about like equality and beauty or with like Fenty's 40 shades, like why should Fenty even have to do all the lighter shades? Mm -hmm. You know, they're yeah. covered. Yeah. So this is, all of this is such a good point because I think of like with the revolution going on right now, I think one thing that a lot of white people don't realize is like, especially the ones who are fighting for this, I don't know if they understand what the world may be like when it isn't all for you anymore. Mm. Like, because we're so used to it. Everything is made for us. You know what I think is an unfortunate reality of the situation is they themselves don't think they're going to have to deal with it in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. So why should they care? It's kind of like the environment. Like, who cares how we leave the earth or what we do with our future generations? We are a very selfish, overly consumptuous society in the U.S., mm. right? Like, we just want, 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 and, like, use up everything, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't nurture or protect things or leave things behind for our children in the way that like most other societies do and yeah. like look out for their future generation. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of the ignorance is a decision, right? Like yes. it's like, why should I care? Yeah. So why do the work? Well, yeah, it's, it, 
Yeah, girl. All right. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's too much. Hey, too I'm not deep. saying that is yeah. the right way. I'm saying that's the no, re- totally. Like, yeah. Harsh reality it's of totally. some people's yeah. mindset. Yeah. yeah. Well, I bet that white girl in the audience was like a little butthurt. I, I'm 100%, sure she was. Of course. Like, okay. She's like, this bitch. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was like, no, I'm sure she already explained who she made this product yeah. for. Yeah, totally. And I, and I love that. And I think that that's why women of color get this stereotype of being aggressive mm. because they are so they they've learned to be so confident by the time a white person's even listening to them speak <laughs> they have gotten so comfortable in owning who they are yes it's scary yes it's, yeah. it's yes. literally scary i i was it's so intimidated sitting next to kj because yes. it was like she was just such a force and yes. it intimidated me to the point of like who am I? What do I stand for? Who do I want to be? Yeah. And I can understand how some people might interpret that as her being standoffish, her being yes. egotistical, Especially her being in, arrogant. in a world where like a, you know, proper woman, a white woman, is supposed to be mm-hmm. very, you know, taken aback. Oh, me? Oh, no, not me. And quiet yeah. and very, you know, reserved. And demure. And demure. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because they don't have to fight for themselves. No. No. It's a different mindset yes yes okay so I want to talk about your journey in beauty I want to talk about what brought you what made you want to start your company and um I'm really interested I guess because you were saying that your your family didn't really necessarily teach you about Indian cultures I'd love to know the journey of what brought you to learning more about well I guess tell us about the brand and the huge pivot from finance a huge pivot from I know everything (laughs) I'm like damn okay that's a good point so let's stay on the line okay so Working at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, all of it. All of it. All of it. <laughs> I mean, I think at the highest level, kind of to answer all your questions, like why pivot to finance? Why start a company? Why beauty? Why now? Like any of those things. I think I I realized that for me, my definition of success is going to be different from it ever was before. And I was just going to shift my entire mindset towards a new definition of success that I realized was really just living out the truest interpretation of me. And however that manifests, whether that's growing Avrani for the rest of my life, whether that's starting a new company later, whether it's pivoting again and becoming an artist, I just want to keep doing more of the things that make me lose track of time, make me forget that I'm on schedule, that I'm playing a game or that life is at all not up to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Avrani is like my sort of channel towards figuring out who that is and and what I want to keep doing with my life. Yeah, so that's really awesome. I really don't know much about your line. So I'd love to know what is it? Is it one hero product? Yeah, have many of course. Products? So yeah. we have a lineup of four unique products. Uh, and there are five SKUs on the website that are available to pre order now, which is the four individual products, and then the four together sold as a ritual set. Mm-hmm. And it was inspired by the formulas and skincare treatments that I would create with my grandmothers and mom growing up. Mm. A big part of Indian culture is creating your own personal care treatments. Mm. So not just skincare, but body care, hair care. People brush their teeth by chewing on neem leaves in India, for example. It's really good for the gums and 
avoids gingivitis. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of approaches to living and holistic wellness that are proven successful, that are natural and so much better for you than the way that we're conditioned to approach personal care in the US or the way that we've understood it so far. Mm -hmm. And our products are an introduction to that sort of lifestyle. So mm. these four products specifically are inspired by ingredients that I used growing up, tea tree oil, turmeric, neem, honey, sweet almond oil. So nice. mm -hmm. My grandmother would literally rub sweet almond oil on my elbows and knees where we have more pigmented skin mm -hmm. because it evens hyperpigmentation like no other. Mm. And very few beauty products in the US, if any, ever harness that power of sweet almond oil and right. so i didn't even know that did you know that i didn't know that yeah i had no idea we're trying to introduce not just the products but kind of this journey into what else is out there what else can i do to approach my life in a more intentional holistic sense mm -hmm. and so these four products are just the beginning we're going to be launching several new products over the course of the next year uh, and then expanding into different categories starting uh, 2022. So nice. I'm really excited to uh, see where it goes. That's so exciting. Yeah. So, so soon. Yeah. So what are the four products? The four products are uh, the lineup is in order. The first is a dual purpose cleanser mask. It's called the Glow Activating Exfoliator. Mm. It's activated by turmeric, neem and honey. The second is the Balance Restoring Serum. It's tea tree oil, chamomile flower, and cucumber activated. The third is our moisturizer. It's called the Softening Hydro Whip. It's shea nut, rosehip seed, and coconut oil. And then the last eye treatment is our eye rejuvenating elixir, sweet almond oil, avocado, and rose water. Nice. That sounds so nice. Yeah, it sounds really, really nice. Thank you. I know. No, I can't wait for you guys to try it. I, I'd love to send you some products. Please, yes, awesome. please do. My legs, uh, I need some, man. <laughs> so I was like, what do you need, some sweet almond oil? I need some sweet almond oil on my legs. <laughs> no, your legs look good. I know, thanks, I'm a little ashy. I'm, I'm a little gray. And one of the beautiful <laughs> things is like, as I'm getting more familiar with this space, I'm learning that a lot of these ingredients, while they represent Indian culture to me, they're used around the world. So yeah, for sure. Shea is a staple in African beauty. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, and so I, I think it's just a really cool opportunity to just introduce these sort of rituals and practices that have been relied on globally, you know, yeah. that we've kind of been missing out on here. Yeah. Are there any um, national Indian owned beauty brands? Oh, I guess there's Huda. Is, is she? But is she Indian? She's at. Uh, no, she's Middle Eastern. Okay. So, but Pratima so, is all I can think of. You know, Pratima. She has a spa down in Soho. Oh yeah. And she has a small line. But I feel like she's known in the city. Yeah. There, yeah. there, there's no like. For example, there's no Indian skincare line in Sephora. Like, yeah. there's no category no, yet. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you think about, for example. K-beauty or Korean-inspired right. beauty. There are entire sections now yeah. at the store mm -hmm. dedicated to that. We're only going to be able to create an iBeauty or an Indian-inspired oh, beauty I category beauty. once we have a ton of brands right. popping up right. and people start to understand the history and the the basis for it, yeah. right? And I really appreciate it. Yeah, when you, just out of curiosity, like when you yourself or your friends go to get beauty what have you, generally in America, it's like black or white or 
Korean, which we'll say white, right? We'll put that into like the white category. I mean, and Korean was like as of like yesterday. So totally, not growing up. Right? It's like, and I only put it so in the white bad. category because I don't know any black people that are just like, oh my God. Well, no, that's not true. I do You've know had, some. Yeah. yeah, right. Anyway, but <laughs> I'm kind of curious. It's like, where do where do you feel like you fit into that? Where do you feel like you and your girlfriends, when you go into Sephora, is there a brand that you feel like this was made for me? Like Fenty to me, exactly to what you were saying, I was like Fenty was made for me, Iman was made for me. There's not a ton, but there are some brands that were made for like- Yeah, but I mean, think about the ones that you feel like were made for you. Like they all Fenty only started in- Totally, yeah. In 2015, I think. Yeah. Like I, there, there's literally zero brand I've ever felt like this was made for me. That's terrible. And that's why I feel so compelled to create yeah, one because sure. it's just like the ones that are supposed to feel like they're for me are, I, I, I can't identify There's with. none. Yeah. Wow. That's terrible. It's going to be a hit. Well, it's going to be a Thank hit, you. but it's terrible. I mean, just from a marketing standpoint, yo, there's a billion, a billion Indians, right? Yeah. A billion. <laughs> the fuck? people like let's go right from the i'm sorry from a capitalist standpoint it it's going. just stupid it's like it's offensive and it's stupid and that's why i'm so mad right now because just from like a marketing standpoint there's all of these people that are not even being represented grand is america but whatever and then just from being seen like it it's, it offends me because i know what it's like to not be seen it's, it's and then that's the thing it's so important that sort of energy you're feeling right now or frustration you're feeling from not being seen, you're only feeling that because you know the difference yeah. between feeling seen and not seen. A lot of us don't even know the difference. So mm. there's nothing to compare it to. Wow. You, I don't feel bad. Yeah. You know? Wow. Wow. Who's the comedian who was canceled? Uh, Aziz Ansari. Aziz Ansari. Oh, yeah. In his most recent special, he was like, do you know the, who the first Indian on MTV was? Me. He was like, it was me. I was the first Indian kid that I saw on MTV. Like, for the what? record, I don't think he should be canceled. No, um, I don't think so. I don't but, think so either. But that's a, like a whole set. We'll do I that know. podcast. Yeah. We can have another episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, I feel the same. We'll have him on. Yeah. Aziz, you're welcome. But yeah. Everyone. I mean, yeah. Aziz Ansari, Hassan Minaj, Mindy Kaling, Priyanka Chopra, all these people started popping up in my like mid 20s. Mm -hmm. So right, that's at that point, like, you've gone through your formative years, you kind of like navigated a lot of your insecurities. And now right. you're trying to get better, not feel worse about yourself. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so sometimes it's like, you kind of have to feel a little worse before you can. Yeah, 100%. You know, move on. Yeah, especially, I mean, again, I'm not an immigrant, um, or nor am I a child of immigrants. So I don't try to speak for the immigrant experience. With that being said, from what I've understood, it's more so, and you know, black people can sometimes be like this also. You're just grateful to be there. Like you're just oh grateful God, to be in the yes. room. Do you know what yes. I mean? Don't notice oh us. Like we're just here. Yes. We're gonna pay, you know what yeah. I mean? And 100%. So, yeah, and so, so there kind of wasn't room, exactly what you're saying, like room to push back because it's just like, look, we're here, it's fine. Whereas like for us, it's like, it's been, you know, 400 fucking years like enough is enough like we get a little indignant you know <laughs> but 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 I think for you for first and second generation kids it's like it's time for you guys to get loud like y'all are American like you've been here <laughs> there's so many layers to that too right because I have so many black friends and there are so many times where I am reminded how 
the level of additional privilege I have mm. by not being black mm -hmm. that I sometimes feel guilty for feeling ostracized or not included mm. because it's like, I don't have it as worth this bad. Right. right. So who am I to like push it to, to your point? Right. Like right. I'll take what I can get from you because that looks like it sucks. Right. Right. To <laughs> right. Be clear, like just to be totally honest. You're absolutely right. It's true. Chris Rock said it, right? <laughs> He said it. Everybody wants to be a, nobody wants to be a, you know. Yeah. It's the truth, but it's absolutely the truth. And fair enough, who would, <laughs> right? Exactly. When you're just and, getting and by, when everything's fine, who so would? <laughs> yeah. That's why what's happening right now is so justified. What What do you expect? Yeah. yeah. You know, like when this is the thing that we're perpetuating and kind of like fostering, everyone else is ignoring it like of course like i'm surprised this didn't erupt even sooner right? right but we can only be grateful for it happening now totally and i think just everybody using this time to like get ahead do you know yeah. in my opinion i think this is a time for like everybody who the white man has stepped all over to get the fuck ahead <laughs> like it's time for us to like agree like, you know what i mean like fast 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 honestly because they're about to shut the door again <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be like, go back to the corner. Everybody forgot, right? Like now there's a vaccine. So like, it's time to run full speed ahead. And especially with all these Karens and all these like publications getting called out, girl, it is time. Yeah. People are out there looking Shit's like, been going where is a brown person that will make us feel okay? <laughs> that we can help to raise up. So like, jump on true. board. <laughs> and like, bust through the doors. I think it's really incredible. I had never, I, I mean. I didn't I'm, know. We didn't know, exactly. Don't know, so no, don't and know. And I think it's we, awesome that you're doing this. None of us are ever going to know until we have conversations totally. like this, right? Yeah. So I'm really glad that we talked about it because yeah. now even the three of us have a different yeah. interpretation, yeah. right? Of the I'm also experience. just very excited for your line because, so this woman, Pratima, she has a book that, She's a doctor, she's not an esthetician, but I love it because it talks so much about skincare and Ayurveda and your whole body, basically like how you were saying before. And so I think that's what's really great about all of these things that are derived from India is like you guys look at the whole body, mm -hmm. which we also do in our practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. for skincare. The one thing I would use as an example here is in the US is the only place where when you go to see a doctor, they don't ask you about what you eat, mm -hmm. how you sleep, what you're doing, right? In India, it's the first thing they ask you. What's your diet? What's your stress level? What do you do? Because you can't look at any one part of the body in a vacuum, right? It's all connected. And by trying to isolate parts and solve for them mm -hmm. individually, yeah. we sort of miss the bigger picture, right? right? And yeah in that spirit of consumption that we've gotten in the habit of here in the US, we also feel like we can just consume wellness mm -hmm. to the point where you can just take a turmeric pill in <laughs> yes, the morning. My you can Lord. have a meditation podcast running in the back yeah. while you, you know, answer to emails. It's like if you're not fucking doing weird. things with the intention, yeah, then you're, you're just consuming it. You're not getting the benefit. Totally. Yeah. Well, we're consumers over here, America. <laughs> <It's fucked up. laughs> Nothing else for consumers. Okay. Um, so, um, okay. So let's wrap up. I know that you got, you have to go and where can people find you and your products? Yeah. And... How will they know about the launch? Yes. How is everybody going to know? Yes. The launch? Okay. So first and foremost, our primary platform is Instagram 
handle is at Avrani, two A's, V as in Victor, then Rani, R-A-N-I. Rani means queen in Bangla and Hindi, which is the inspiration behind the name. Uh, And we're sold exclusively on Avrani.com. Nice. If you're into what we're doing, follow us on Instagram, please. Um, I'm sharing a lot of my personal journey behind it and inspiration behind the brand and really trying to foster a real community uh, behind our mission outside of just selling product. That's not what we're about. Yeah. Um, I would I would rather have uh, or create a space where all women sort of feel honored for their duality versus sort of ostracized for it. Yeah. Um, and so if you follow us, if you support us, uh, the number one thing we could use is awareness. So share it with a friend, anyone who might not know about it. Uh, it goes such a long way and um, I, I would really appreciate it. So thank you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview. And I hope you learned as much as I did about Indian culture, the modern Indian beauty industry, or lack thereof, and how to go with your gut and start a company you know is so needed. I can't believe that there is, it really made me sad to think that there's so many Indian people, like not even just in this country, but also in the world that just don't have, I mean, I guess specifically Representation. American brands. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I didn't ask about the world, but like this is a huge, country that produces so much especially within beauty entertainment all of these things and so for us to not represent such a huge population is like really honestly shameful from like a human standpoint but also like get that money come on people i know (laughs) i mean i never even thought about the fact that sephora doesn't carry a single line that's made for indian women indian skin how the fuck how how many brands are at sephora well but it's also quite interesting what she was saying in that it's more of a cultural thing like in terms of culture it isn't part of their culture for entrepreneurs to start companies right which is the other which uh, it's it's all very interesting it was really cool to see another underrepresented culture in our community in our world that um somebody that's our age is trying to change Totally, and I feel like I see Avrani in Sephora's future for sure. Very soon. Yeah, man, um, that girl's like got places to go. And seriously, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Rishi for a minute because yeah. she had me cracking the fuck up. I'm still laughing thinking about her in the dance class, just waving her arms around <laughs> and pretending to do the proper moves. <laughs> She's like a little rebel. She's super cute. Yeah. Or her singing in the class. Totally. So funny. Yeah, I love it. Being so know, naughty. You know how much we love to sing, so I would have been like <laughs> right there with her. Like, yes, girl, let's get it. <laughs> oh, my God. But on a more serious note, she really taught me a thing or two about living life, and I really love that her brand is such an expression of her and her beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Like, there's so much behind it. Yeah. Not just like, let me figure out some skincare line to make some money. Totally. And it's like about building community and connecting with other women who probably really feel the same things that she feels. Like, I remember the first time that I heard like a podcast with a black girl who sounded like me and had the same experience that I had. And just like that feeling of being like, there's more of me out there. This Mm -hmm. is incredible. I have to find more of these people. So I'm so excited for her to be that for so many Indian women and girls, American Indian women and I know. I'm very excited for the launch. Yes. Yeah. You guys, it's launching any day now. Yeah. Yeah. So get you some of Ronnie. Yeah, it'll be launching when this airs. It'll be launching in less than a week. Yeah. Super cool. So, yeah, let us know what you guys think about this interview, and we hope that you join her community 
Um, yes. At Avrani on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram. Duh. At True Beauty Brooklyn and at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. Send us your letters. We want to hear from you guys. Yes. Please send us in some letters. You know, my favorite is just, I didn't know them, but I'm older now. I'd really like you to just write in letters about that. I know, let us know how dumb you were, because we're not the only ones. I know I'm not the only one who's a total dumbass. No, you all are. (laughs) We started this segment. So send us your letters. It'll feel good to get it off your chest, but then also probably other people will write in and say, Bish, me too. And then you'll feel seen and part of the community. Yes. So you can email us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Check us out, www.truebeautybrooklynpodcast.com. And we'll see you next week. We will see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Guys.